Conquer Life's Mountains with Mitsubishi. Powering Ian Collins once a word. Ian Collins wants a word. Actually, the good thing about having a break for a week is you come back feeling all fresh, like a newborn child, but older and stuff. That's nice, we're back. The Easter break is done and dusted. It was indeed a refreshing week for us at Butlins in Bognor, where I won the lovely Lex competition and Kev won the Cut of the Week contest. Welcome, everybody, to the post-Easter, pre-summer, mid-spring, quarterly, yearly, first day back episode of season two of Ian Collins Wants a Word. It is, by the way, episode 11. Stand by for some of this... Ian Collins scores another point. And, of course, we've got loads of this. I only came back because you owe me money. You see, that's Grace Dent. She's back again. And the Everest of all portions of this. If you had to take one female, one male onto a desert island, who would you choose? Yeah, you're going to love that. And here, something you might not love so much is our executive producer. I have to say that. Sideshow, Kev. It's nice to be back. Yeah. Got some questions. I do. Uh, questions and feedback and comments and stuff via social media from Lucy. I couldn't give a flying fig about the London Olympics. Does this make me unpatriotic? No, well, you don't have to be a massive fan of the Olympics, but what is weird are people who are actively against the Olympics. It's a massive sporting event. The UK is the focus of that massive sporting event. It only comes around every four years. Young athletes have worked their cods off for years in order to get to the sporting event, the greatest show on earth when it comes to that. So give them a break, give the Olympics a break, cheer up, knuckle down and smile, you miserable anti-Olympian tossbags. You won't be watching this. Oh, I hate it, bloody javelin. Lou and Epsom, you two are men of the world. <laughs> How can I dump a guy who's done nothing wrong and is a really nice person? The problem is, I just don't fancy him anymore. Any advice? Yeah, dump him. It's simple as that, is it? <laughs> well, she. Yeah, what can you say? Hey, 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 hang on, hang, hang on, hang on. You're on. saying she, Lou, might not be a she. Lou could be a dude. That's true. Well, whether it's a dude, as you say, or a she... Uh, firstly, I have absolutely no idea why somebody is writing to a podcast <laughs> to ask for advice on how to get rid of somebody we don't know. Yeah. We don't know her, stroke him, or him. What are we supposed to say? You're quite right. Leave us alone. Go bug Helen and Ollie. Yeah. Uh, from Gravel. <laughs> gravel. Gravel. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, I'm laughing, but actually, <clears throat> uh, on the, this is actually quite a serious one. On a serious note. Yes. Uh, my sister was in a terrible car accident and is about to undergo a series of operations to save her life. Any chance of a retweet? Yep, can do that. <laughs> From Rob in Minchampton. <laughs> what? Is there actually a place called Minchampton? A place called Minchampton. Well, Rob seems to think he's from there. Uh, Rob says, You seem to be back on the radio more these days despite telling us you've quit. Does this mean no more podcasts? Now, we've covered this a few times, haven't we? Well, I didn't say I quit. I said I couldn't go back full-time, which I can't go back full-time because of doing this and doing uh, a variety of other bits and pieces. Uh, but, I ne yeah, I never said I quit radio. I've, I've not really stopped doing radio in some form since yeah. I left TalkSport. Yeah. I'd still do the, the Nolan stuff and the LBC stuff. And the podcast is part of your wider one. Correct. Which is well, nice. This is, like, the main part of the week. Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, from Vernon. Not that one. Oh, uh, I hope. Uh, does anyone have any faith at all in Ed Miliband? The guy just makes me cringe. Not that Cameron is much better. Mm. I think they're all much of a much. I keep saying this and I'm blue in the face. There's really not much difference between the three main parties now. There used to be a little bit of a difference between the two. But don't forget, if you voted for any of the three main parties... You voted for a party that was going to carry out a pretty substantial, some would say quite deep, package of cuts. 
all parties were going to have to do that. So this idea that people go, hey, see what the Tories are doing? They're cutting things. Well, it's kind of like going to a football match. You say, you see what's happening here? There's football going on. We knew that would happen. Everybody knew. Labour, even the Lib Dems, bless them, the little lefty Watsits, even they were going to have to cut stuff. So no big surprise on that one. Mm. Kev. Uh, from Rob in Newcastle, another yep. political question. I don't I don't understand why people seem Because to this think... show's like Newsnight. No, Get over it, Kev. They just seem to think that you're into politics or I something. Don't know what I, I don't thinking understand. Of. Uh, Rob says if you had to box an MP in the lug hole, who would you choose from each party? Oh, John Prescott from Labour. He'd hit you back, you know that. Yeah, well, he'd give it a good old go, wouldn't he? Uh, probably have to be. In fact, I'll go Ed Balls, really, from Labour. I think Ed, Ed Balls would, would probably be. He's got a face that really does need a right old smack, doesn't it? That needs a proper fist up the bracket. <laughs> On the Tory side, it would probably be Ken Clark, actually. Oh. I know everybody thinks, oh, he's cuddly Ken. He's been so monumentally useless. I'm really not sure that the guy is any longer, shall we say, across his brief. He Ooh. really looks like he's kind of lost it. You know, once upon a time, he was the acceptable face of being a Tory when everybody thought the Tories were half <laughs> <laughs> So, well, the roof's just come in. Andre, put a hazard sign up. Yeah, I'd go for him. And on the Lib Dem side, it would probably have to be somebody like Nick Clegg. So the smartest man in politics. Yeah. <laughs> From Sid, do you miss anything about talk sport? Anything uh, at all? People? Not many. Actually, no, none of them. Finally, from Mickey, who says, uh, "When are you going to make me laugh, Collins? You mug." Hmm. Uh, well, I could send you some photographs of me f***ing your mother. That'd make you laugh. Make me laugh. <laughs> but that's all I can think of. So there you go. Uh, don't forget, if you've got any questions for us uh, via social media, at Ian Collins UK on Twitter, and we'll try and read them out if we can. The good and the bad. Great. Don't forget, everybody, it is the start of season two, therefore Grace Dent Grace is back Dent! with us a little bit later on. But it is time for this, you know, this noise, it means... Ah! Yep, that one, only one thing. Random acts of irrational annoyance, those uh, little tiny, essentially irrelevant things in life, but they do your head in, they give you the right royal ache, they send your head into a massive spin... Despite the fact they don't really matter. And I tell you what I want to go for here. Some of them do matter, but others would say, well, it's still irrational that that would bother you mm. so much and you shouldn't get too animated. Professional protesters. The other week I discovered, just before Easter, that the Occupy people that had been sitting outside St Paul's mm. for so long, totally incensed by what they saw as a great imbalance and a massive injustice when it comes to the distribution of wealth, the capitalist system, the way the bankers behaved, and those in charge of financial services and our politicians being all in cahoots, royally shafting everybody up the back end in order to trouser huge profits for themselves. They were so incensed by that, they went outside to Bordeaux. I didn't agree with them, but I kind of sort of knew where the protest was coming from. However, they've moved on. The Occupy people have moved on. They've gone somewhere else. They've decided there is another cause that really needs their presence. They should mobilise themselves and take themselves from that pad outside St Paul's and Parliament Square and go yonder to the next protest that really does require the collective intelligence of the Occupy anti-capitalist people. They've gone to East London to protest at the building of a basketball court. <laughs> what the hell are they thinking of? The same people behind Occupy have turned up in Leighton, East London, to protest against a temporary basketball court that's being built so that young Olympians can practice pre-Olympics. Astonishing. Go figure. That riles me. Kev. Commuter cups. <laughs> right. Now, I'm all for people enjoying a tasty beverage on their way into work or no, whatever wrong they're with doing. That. But you don't need a metal cup with tea from home in it or coffee from home in it. It just makes you look like a gigantic twat. Oh, you mean those people that actually bring their own cups? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, but that's bad. But the one thing I will say, the one tiny thing, other than the twatish elements of it, <laughs> in actually walking around with one of these things, like, oh, look at me, I've got my tea from home, <laughs> are the people who buy the paper cups yep. and then stand in a crowded space or crowded public transport and don't seem to, you know, they hold it out and they don't seem to realise someone might walk into it and get coffee all over their bollocks. 
You've just, remi- you've just reminded me, and a man who's bollocks out of happily covered in coffee, and a variety of other things, for that matter. That sounded wrong, didn't it? <laughs> it did not. <laughs> a man who's lower bits, I'd have quite happily covered in coffee. Exactly the same situation. Crowded train the other day. We're standing on the train. It's rammed. It's rush hour. It's packed. People are in it. It's sardine city. People descend on those poles by the door. Yeah, yeah. So they're quite close. And everybody is... There's about six of us around the pole, like a flipping maypole. Everybody's stuffed around there. And suddenly one man is holding the pole. His hand goes from the pole into his pocket and pulls out a massive bag of cheese and onion crisps. Oh. And he decides this was the best place to eat them. So he opens the cheese and onion crisps. Not only does it stink the entire place out, but the four or five other people hanging onto the same pole decided to move away. Now, he must have seen this gesture because mm-hmm. it smelled. Not only that, there were those extra crunchy crisps. So they sounded really loud. The fact that we were all packed in there made them sound ten times loud. And just to top it all, he ate as if he's chewing on the scrotum of a goat. <laughs> and in addition to that, he licked his fingers as if he just polished off a bucket of the Colonel's finest. It was a bag of crisps, you filthy bastard. So what did you do with the bag when you'd finished? Well, in the end, I just put it into my pocket. I thought, well, there's no way you can let that stuff just go on the floor. You become a litter loud. This is from Roger on Twitter. Uh, when you buy a newspaper in a shop and they ask if you want a bag. No, I don't, says Rog and others. It gets worse when they say, do you want a bag? It's 5p. Yeah. You know who I'm talking. Leighton says, pedestrians who thank me for stopping at a zebra crossing. It's the law. I have to stop. Did you expect me to run you over? Now, it's interesting. When I saw this, I thought, hang on, because I get annoyed when people don't thank me for stopping at a zebra crossing. Really? Well, I'm not sure it is the law, is it? Is it half law? (laughs) There's such a thing. A big book of half law. It's known in the county courts as half law. (laughs) On the 8th of August, we did observe, Mr Collins, breaking a half law on the M1. What happened to the other half? Well, I always thought it was... Is it it law? You don't get... Well, put it this way. I've never heard of anybody getting fined for not stopping at a zebra crossing. Well, it's highway code. It's highway code law. Is it a code, a guidance? Some of it is clearly, you know, like breaking distances. They're in the highway code, but that would be a guidance, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it's not, nobody's going to... If you break, no cop is going to say, I observed you break two metres too soon. And the same with the zebra crossing. You don't get pulled over by the police for not stopping at a zebra crossing unless there's a pedestrian on it <laughs> when you carry on driving. And on the body of your car. Well, yes, that tends to be the moment the blue lights go up. So I'm intrigued by that. Hmm. Uh, but it is annoying when cars don't stop you at a zebra crossing. The other thing that's really annoying are people who stand at a zebra crossing, but they're not crossing. They're just using their phone or something. Yeah. Owen says, people who give you a one-star review on iTunes for a podcast review, on the basis there's nothing more than a technical glitch wrong with it. Now, I don't know who he's talking about, because it's not us. It's not us, but it, it's it's not just podcasts, it's apps as well. One of the most annoying things is, if you've got like a, a great game or whatever else, and somebody, one person, can't get it to work on their phone, so they say... One out of five, it didn't work on my phone. Yes. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean it's not a good game. That's not a review of the game. That's a review of your experience, which is the same with certain travel websites. Yeah, I think that's true. And this is very annoying, and you have seen this. Let's say you want to go on holiday, mooch around a bit, and you have a look at hotel reviews to try and choose the hotel that you want to stay at. Someone will give it one out of five because the flight over wasn't particularly good. Yes. Or because it was raining. Yes, exactly. Raining, flight over wasn't good, taxi driver was a little bit crazy. Waiter looked at me missus in a funny way. Exactly. A one. And then f***ed her. <laughs> yeah, what, why should that get you a one-star review? <laughs> exactly. For God's sake. Dooley Travers. What? Dooley Travers. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> I told you. Shall I put this piece of paper away? It's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I think Dooley Travis says, Alicia Dixon being a judge of talent on that TV talent show. How in the name of Michael Grade's pants <laughs> could that ever happen? It's the same with, um, what's her name, Talisa. See the video, but I've heard about the video. Have you seen the video? No, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw the video. Really? Yeah. It was a strange thing. I swore that it wasn't her on the video. Really? I absolutely swore that it was not her. And I noticed, because a few people had tweeted in the morning saying, have you seen that Talitha video? Yeah, what, do you reckon it's real? I, I didn't even know what they were talking about at that point. I hadn't seen the story. So I click on a link, and there is what I assume is one of those jokes. You know when somebody says, get a free iPad, and you click on the link, and actually there's a porn film being shown yeah. or something like that? So I thought it was one of those. And I didn't see much of it, just about four and a half minutes. And after that, I thought to myself, well, that's 
clearly not her. It's clearly a professional porn star. Really? Clearly. So imagine my delight when I discovered <laughs> it was her. Well, I haven't seen it, but from what I've heard, for a pop star, very poor mic technique. Yes. She actually said, uh, on her apology on YouTube... She actually said... <laughs> <laughs> on her apology on YouTube, I kid you not, she says, you can imagine I was open-mouthed when I <laughs> realised this was out in circulation. She used the phrase. I think she tried to get a gagging order. Yeah. This in from Nikki and Basingstoke. My roundabout for rational lines are people who eat fruit in a smug and contented manner. I've sort of seen that. So, like an apple, for a start. Right? An apple is the most boring thing in the world. Yeah. So don't look happy to eat it, please. Don't, it's not a bit of chicken. It's not a chip. It's a flipping apple. Maybe people just really like apples. Yeah, could be that. Fruit. Uh, and Phil B on Twitter, and from Glasgow, says, My roundabout for rational lines are men who collect fluffy toys. Yeah. Good one, that. I've had quite a lot of fluffy toys sent to me from listeners over the years. And I've always thought it's a bit... Some people sent lots. I thought, what do you expect me to do with that? What did you do with it? I eBayed them. Did you? How much did you get? About 500 quid. That's not bad. One of them was a rare cabbage patch doll. Oh, nice. What I did, genuinely, was give them to a, a, a kid's charity. Oh, very good, very good. I did, very well, I got quite a lot of them. And I thought, hang on, the person that sent me these, and there wasn't just one, there were a few, if they had to think about this, so what do they think I'm going to do? Lay them on my bed. So when, uh, you know... When entertaining. Uh, when entertaining, I have to explain why I've got... Soft toys from listeners. Got a stuffed armadillo <laughs> on my bed. What's that doing there? Anyhow, we would like to have more and more, please, of your random acts of irrational annoyance, and you can do what we did on the Easter one as well, the random acts of irrational satisfaction. Either yeah. way, drop them through on social media particularly on Twitter. It's at Ian Collins UK, and we try and do as many as we can on a weekly basis. Thank you very much. The Mitsubishi ASX comes with active stability and traction control, on-demand four-wheel drive, hill start assist, and Mitsubishi's legendary reliability. For more information, search for Mitsubishi Cars. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. And when you hear her, that means only one thing, that you're about to hear him. Hi, cheers. Thank you for your support. That's why I never did those Palladium gigs. Well, it's to be expected from a right-wing shock jock. Sideshow Kev Showbiz Shoebox, our weekly look at the box of showbiz fluff we find under the bed. This week, it's the Fake Celebrity Reality Show Challenge. Andre, give me some Fake Celebrity Reality Show Music Challenge Challenge Music Music Challenge, please. Like, oh my god. Very simple, Ian Collins. Each of these celebrities had a reality show. I just need to know, what was it called, and what was it about? Okay. So I'll tell you a celebrity, give you a choice of the three titles and subjects. You just have to tell me A, B, or C. Can I just point out, if you're listening on your phone, that the forward button is usually found at the bottom of the screen, and you can just forward this feature, frankly. And the only reason he's asking you to do that is because... Every single week, he comes out just looking bad. So. I did get a, I got a five out of five one. Oh, no, you didn't. Right, okay. Go on, what have you got, Kate? Here we go, then. The fake celebrity reality show challenge. Number one, Kerry Katona. Yeah. She had a reality show. Was it called A, Kerry Katona Midget Warfare, in which Kerry makes short people fight for money? Was it called B, Kerry Katona Crazy in Love, in which Kerry explores her relationship with her boyfriends? Or C, Kerry Katona's Crispy Cat? In which Kerry, <laughs> in which Kerry deep fries her. <laughs> you really wouldn't want to see that, would you? No. Let's go for B. Let's find out. Ian Collins scores one. I know the Katona detail. Next, uh, number two, Hulk Hogan, oh, yeah. brother. Uh, he had a reality show. Yeah, in the states. Yeah, but it was on over here on MTV. And MC, like yeah, that. okay. It's quite popular. Mm. Was it called A, Hogan Knows Best, yeah. in which Hulk brings his kids up badly? Was it called B, Hogan Knows Breasts, in which Hulk does mammograms? Or is it C, Hogan Knows <laughs> All, in which Hulk gets a lobotomy and dribbles? I'm definitely going for A. And having seen uh, his kids interviewed, I think I'm right. It's the correct answer! Beautiful. Uh, number three, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan. She had a reality show, but what was it called and what was it about? Was it A, Lindsay'll Fix It, in which Lindsay makes kids' dreams come true while smoking a cigar in her... Wag, wag, oops. You know Meaning... when Savile first piloted Jim'll Fix It, that's what he did. 
B. Load me a fiver, in which Lindsay begs on the street for money to buy a cup of tea, meaning drugs. Or is it C. Living Loan, in which Lindsay is clean and sober and doing really well? Uh, Honest. Yeah. Uh, she is, because I do sometimes read the right-hand bar on the Daily Mail website. Oh, yeah. And it's C. Ian Collins scores another point. Yes, in there, Lucy. Number four, Steven Seagal. Yeah. He had a reality show, but what was it called? It was dreadful. I know that. And what was it about? <laughs> was it A, Steven Seagal, Seagull Stealer, in which Steven stealthily steals seagulls from splendid sun-soaked seasides? B. Steven Seagal, lawman, in which Steve thinks he's the police and enforces the law in his hometown. Or C. Steven Seagal, straight to video, in which Steve makes <laughs> movies that don't make it to cinema screens. It was called straight to video. You're saying straight to video? Yes. You're saying C. C. You think this behemoth of motion pictures would lower himself Hang on. to that? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's what he did. Straight to video. Let's find out. <laughs> No, the answer is B. Uh, Steven Seagal, lawman. It was dread. Did you see any of it? Uh, no, but it was, I've heard of it. It was bad. Really? YouTube that as well. And finally, uh, uh, Vernon Kay. <laughs> Vernon Kay may or may not have had a reality show, oh. but what may or may not it have been about? Is it A, Vernon Kay's toothy annoyance, in which Vernon qualifies as a dentist and extracts his own teeth without anaesthetic? B, Vernon's saucy texts, in which Vernon sends customer complaints to Heinz via SMS. Or C, Vernon K, tit. I think I'm right in saying it was C. Let's find out. <laughs> oh, well, we heard both effects there because I just made that one up. It did, it he did. hasn't done a reality show, but it's surely only a matter of time. Voicemail roulette. Please leave a message. And it's back. We're moving ever closer, of course, to Grace Dent with us on Ian Collins' Once a World. But this is Voicemail Roulette 07789 where each week we play three or four of your messages. You've sent through moans, whinges, questions, anything you want to ask. Entirely up to you. Such a Kev is here with the machine. Are you ready to press it, Kev? I'm thumping it now! Hi, Ian. Uh, it's Mike in York here. Uh, I'm at university. Uh, it's costing me a fortune, and I hate my course, which is the geography course. Um, uh, can I do this? I'm wasting time, I think. Um, should I get out? <laughs> All right, see you, mate. Do you know what, Mike? You sound really pissed. I yeah. would say, you're doing geography, man. What's wrong with you? It's oh, not sure. really going to set your brain on fire, is it? I suppose we need geographers. Do we? Do we? Computers can do all that now. That's true. He sounds like he's unhappy. That's a guy that doesn't sound... Can we just hear a little bit of his voice there again? Yeah, hang on. Can I do this? I'm wasting time, I think. Um, should I get out? Is, he, is that the sound of a happy man? That's the sound of a man that's not happy. Firstly, he's in York, which is nice, but after the first year... Yeah. That is so many times you can see a Roman wall. <laughs> and he's doing geography. Well, I suppose it depends on what he wants to do for a living. A geographer or geographer? He could always be a geographer. Could be. Uh, here's another one. It's a message for Ian Collins. Uh, if you had to take one female, one male onto a desert island, who would you choose? Cheers, bro. Oh, I like those questions. If you could be on a desert island, one male, one female. Ooh. Does Gok Hwan cover both? <laughs> uh, here's another on voicemail roulette. Oh, hello, Ian. This is Margaret Thatcher calling. I am enjoying the podcast. As I used to say to Dennis many times, and to run the boys in the cabinet, and to Ronald Reagan, that I'm a big fan of Ian Collins and the creature of the night. Especially Mad Mike Hansen. So it is inconceivable that Mad Mike Hansen is not in your podcast. I do not understand it. What is wrong with you? Are you a socialist? Are you a communist? What is wrong with you? Why is Mad Mike Hansen not in your podcast? Man alive, it's the Iron Lady, calling the podcast. Listen, I mean, before, we, we've had some famous people phoning up yeah. and trying to get Hanson on, but... That's good. I, I know she's a personal uh, icon of yours. She did turn into Derek Akora from Most Haunted <laughs> at the end. But other than that, that was definitely... I, I can tell Thatch. Yeah. Uh, well, Baroness, Lady, Iron, person, we'll look into getting him back on, but frankly, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, let's have another one on voicemail roulette. It's 07789 
18 32 62. We can fit one more in. Here it is, Kev. Hi, Ian. It's Melissa here from London. Um, my problem that I have at the moment is to do with tube and train behaviour in general. Um, it seems from my community perspective that the boundaries are being pushed and pushed. And um, I consider myself someone who has been brought up with really good manners. And yet I seem to be an outcast on the tube. Um, my major problem is to do with staring. And I think people think it's a rule that you must stare at another person or even drool. I've seen men staring and even, you know, doing horrible things to themselves on the tube, which is just uncalled for. I've had to take out my makeup case and pretend to do my makeup just so I could put a barrier in between me and whoever's sitting staring in front of me. It's just creepy. It's just weird. It's just gross. And I don't know how our society seems to think it's okay to do this kind of thing. Um, it, it just makes the whole journey a bit unbearable. Anyway, thanks. Love the show. Blimey, she thinks a lot of herself, doesn't she? She certainly does. I bet she's as rough, rough as old boots. boots. Essentially, she was actually making a f***ing <laughs> complaint there, wasn't she? Think about it. I think she, she was. She had to hold her bag up while a man attended to himself. Good <laughs> Lord. What kind of trains is she on? I never saw that on the Jubilee line. <laughs> there we are. Voice by roulette. 07789 Anything you want to say, ask, rant, whinge, moan. We're happy with all of that. Ian Collins wants a word. There's a very definite way that people join Twitter. I think you go and you have a look and you put your first tweets up and then no one replies and then you storm off into cyberspace in a huff. And then once the penny drops, I think that's when you can never leave. This was another huge wake-up call for me, which said, Gracie will never, ever be as cool and connected and relevant as these media twunts. So why not just go down to your dad's shed and cut your own face off with his fly mouse trimmer? It's like this immense feeling of power, like you've done all these amazing things. You've not been out of the house. <laughs> you know <laughs> this is it, you're like, and you've not got dressed. It's TV critic Grace Dent, everybody. Uh, this, everybody, is the North End of Unbelievable, because she's actually come back to see us on Ian Collins' Once a Word. It's Grace Dent, everybody. Hello! I only come back because you owe me money. <laughs> I know. She popped in to ask where the check was. Said, you stay around, Carlisle girl. Oh, no, How are you? I'm good. No, I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Good. And it feels better now because last time it was like, uh, you know, end of Jan and yeah. it was the sort of, it was that kind of, still that post Christmas thing. And now we're a bit more into the swing of the year. We are. And we 2012 are. for you, young lady, is looking really good because you're always yeah. busy. The book is out there. You're yeah. writing another book. Yes, no, I'm writing another Still book. Still tweeting like a mad woman. You know, I don't think I tweet as much as people think, Your Honour. Well, we've got your tweeting statistics oh, since you were hell. in last time. Bloody hell. Go on. Okay, since you came in last time on this programme, your tweeting on a day has, is actually down 6.5%. That's not a lot, is it? It's down. <laughs> it's down. You're down, Grace. You're kicking it gradually. You know, that just sounds Six like... Six and a half percent. That sounds like going to Weight Watchers when you've lost, like, half a pound. You've done that. I, I, I never, ever go to anything like that. I just I just suffer the humiliation in my own in my own bathroom. <laughs> after eights or Twiglets? Oh, after eights. Yeah. Twiglets are evil. Do you know what my mum did a couple of Christmases ago? This is just almost unforgivable. You know in America how kids divorce their parents? Yeah. I nearly did that. I said to her, it wasn't last Christmas, it was Christmas before... I said, have you got any after eights? And she went, yeah, I have got some after eights. Here's the other thing. Why do parents, why do mums in particular, put food in any room but the kitchen at Christmas? <laughs> Can you go to the wardrobe and get the Pringles? <laughs> There's some tangerines in the dining room. What's that all about? It's only at Christmas. <laughs> Just under the bed, there's some after eights. So this... That's so right. And up I go to uh, get the... And I come back and I say, I can't find it. She goes, no, they're definitely there, they're definitely there. She comes back down with... Tesco's own evening mints. And I said... Is she mad? I said, Mum, you've got some real explaining to do here. She said, well, it's the same thing. I said, no, it's not the same thing. It's the woman that killed Christmas. Yeah. Did you just go? I, I couldn't eat them. So I told all my mates about this, what had happened, and the next year... Like loads of my mates bought my mum genuine after eight Aww. mints. She had about twenty five boxes of after eight mints, which is the Christmas just gone. So I was quids in for me. It was happy days. Can't it, just have one though, can you? No, but and do you, do you leave the little packets in the box? Oh yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. pisses off the next person. Yeah. Uh, here's a, a tweet from Lee in Cardiff who says, "I fancy the socks off you, Grace. Oh. Can I have a signed book?" 
Well, I don't know you see he's caught <laughs> you there. Because that's essentially... Can I, let me translate that. Do you that. know something, I'll Lee? translate that. I fancy the socks off you, Grace. Can I have some money? Do you know that's what you've just said. Lee, I've, been, I've fallen for that so many times during my life. Do you know, Grace, you're really beautiful. Can I have, Can I have some money? <laughs> Why does Lee yeah. want a book? For, your books are aimed at there's teenage a, girls. I don't know. There's a Unless he wants the Twitter book. He probably wants the Twitter one. There's yeah, a, could there's, be that. There's a, prob- there's a picture of me on the cover. <gasps> Oh, is that? Yeah, you could have some special gentleman's alone relaxing time with it, probably. <laughs> That's what he's looking for. <laughs> he's looking for solo moments. Uh, Mark in Nottingham says, who is your favourite radio presenter, Chris Moyles or Ian Collins? Ian Collins. Thank you. He says, did you know they once had a row on air? That's true. What about? Oh, Moyles was just, this was the stupidest thing Chris Moyles ever did, I swear, in his entire career. Because we were doing, this is like when I just started in radio, we were mm. doing an overnight show on talk radio. But it was myself and the Creatures of the Night, mm. one of which was Sideshow Kev. And we used to say on air, because Chris Moores was doing early breakfast, so he yeah. was, he, we knew, we just knew he'd be driving into work, probably listening, because there was nothing else on the radio. And so we, early breakfast is three to seven? Or five to seven, five I to think, seven. Yeah. yeah. So we were on air at that time through the night. Yeah. So we're all, we're all pretty wet, wet behind the ear. But yeah. we thought, we just knew instinctively Moores would probably be listening to us at that time. Yeah. And so we accused him of plagiarism. Uh, just for a laugh. And and we thought, we'll just sit back and see if he bites. Now, you know, I don't want to undermine the mighty talk radio, but he was on Radio 1 at the time. Uh, he We had more to gain out of him mentioning it yeah. than he had to lose. Yeah. No, you know what and I'm saying? To, yeah. And so as it happens, he, he, he spent a week filling in on the breakfast show at the time. He now obviously does it, and I have to say, he does it rather well. But he, he was doing it as a just a fill-in. They were obviously testing him out. And I was, I'm driving home one morning, going through the Blackwall Tunnel, and I hear Moyles on the radio say, So, Ian, I know you're driving home, Collins, right now. Turn your car around and get back in here to Broadcasting House and chat to me face-to-face. And I thought, this is really weird. Obviously, I wasn't about to turn the car around, but all that happened the very next night, our switchboards went nuts with people going, I didn't know about your show before, yeah. mate, until why he did it, I don't know. But he didn't do it once. He did it time and time. And then we got listeners to phone in and try and get our name on his show. I think, you know... And he, he just, he, he responded to it every time. I, I think he's I think he's a little bit of a hothead. And I think that, um, you know, I just think he's very passionate, you know. I think he is. And I, think that I, he actually, is. I happen to think he's damn good at his yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I know, really do. I genu- and I actually did back then as well. I think it's easy. Yeah, I think it's easy because of the person, mm. the person he puts across to. Yep. They feel cross at him. But, you know, I think that... What he does is bloody difficult. Also, that shift site sends you mad. Breakfast send you mad. I, I have no idea why it's... I've never understood why it's the most prestigious shift in radio. Bre- I know I know because as if people are going to work, so more people listen. But I remember... You can't have a life. You can't have no. a social life. Although I think Moyles does a bit, because Chris yeah. Evans... Well, he's calmed down a bit now, Evans, but I mean, when he was doing the breakfast on Radio 1, he still obviously went out a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think Miles has a bit of a drink, but I don't, you know, yeah. I don't think he's kind of out clubbing it. This is brilliant. This next tweet is fantastic, oh, and it's fantastic for one reason: the amazing memory of some of our listeners. Because oh, this reference is something that you mentioned on air at the other place. Nikki Incumbernal says, "Straight question: Mark Wright or Gary Windass?" <laughs> Can I have them both? <laughs> Mark Wright, of course, from the Anyways Essex. <laughs> Gary Windass is the ginger kid in Coronation Street, and Grace once revealed oh, she fancied him. I, I Stop do, it! I do fancy You're him. Like Caroline Flack of I the do. newspaper world. Stop <laughs> with it. Do you know? I think um, a Gary Windass instead of Mark Wright because Mark Wright probably Mark Wright has every woman in Britain after him, and he's also he's a bit of an Essex. But he's a he's, <clears> the, he's a, the most well-known Essex boy, mm. and um, I'm, I'll, I'll always, yeah, I, I think I, I like a ginger. See, I, <laughs> I came unstuck with Mark Wright because we once on our show booked him to talk about something or other. It was actually a football issue, and I, bit thinking I was right, clever ass. I wrote all these questions. I thought, you know, I'm going to really trick this. You know, who's he think he is? This little ass going. The only way is Essex, Mr. Flash, Mr. Muscles, and all of this. And I thought, there's no way that bloke is 22 or whatever he was. And uh, I had I had all these clever questions to completely sort of wrong foot this cocky, overconfident tit. And on he comes. Always happens. Nicest man in the world. Uh, 
the nicest bloke. Oh, he's meant to be lovely. And I thought, oh my God, I can't say horrible things to you. You're a lovely fella. And then and of course not, he went. I don't think he's stupid. Uh, he, well, this is going to, this will, this will sound stupid. On I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where he was great, and that's also one of my favourite reality shows, he, um, he actually came up with a few things that were quite profound. And whether he knew he did or not, I don't know. But he'd say things in passing in conversation. And I remember thinking, that's actually the most intelligent thing anyone's ever said in the entire history of this programme. <laughs> and yeah. it's just a nice bloke. Oh, it's kind of, but isn't it? I mean, he's a, he's a great story of how the whole concept of fame has changed and what it's about and what it means. And, you know, people can get annoyed and say, well, he's famous for being famous. But that is now a... A currency of you know it's part of the game, isn't it? Well, I suppose you know. I mean, I suppose yeah. With I mean, with that specific type of program, yeah, the whole kind of idea of that structured reality where you know they're the only way is Essex and made in Chelsea. I think that um, I think that that was with with regards to reality TV, it was a it was a step too far for a lot of people. I think that they a lot of viewers. I think that they could handle Big Brother and they could handle all the other shows that you know what that were out there but then i think when it came to that people just couldn't it just kind of couldn't quite i still can't get i can't get my head around it fully i didn't yeah i think like one series fair enough but you know by the the second one when they were bringing in all kinds of new people I, i i got a little bit lost with it but you know it did create some it created some interest in celebrities and it really did you know it kind of you know that you get these people like Amy Childs and and him and, and Sam Fares and people like that, and they, you know, they are some of the most well known people in Britain. Chloe. Like, like love it or hate it, they they are. Yeah. And they never speak really. Uh, this comes in from Dev in Bradford. <laughs> it's quite a heavy question, really. But you're oh, a journalist. God. You're a proper journalist. Um, what is the future of newspapers? Oh God. Um, well, you can plead the fifth if you like. What? Uh, well. Uh, the actual print newspapers held it's probably what I read, just read new, that question hold a newspaper it? in your hand I mean that's just going down the pan completely yeah. the future at the moment is that nobody's prepared to pay for news and um, I'm prepared to pay I, I pay for a couple of news apps yeah yes well I do I feel like that well, the reason I do and I'm quite really passionate about this and not, it's not just because of half my friends writing them mm. but I do feel passionate I say to people you know say, why can't we have it for free it's like well why should you have it yeah. for free this is people's work you know, I know mates who've slogged over articles for and columns features for months, and somebody's saying, "I want that for nothing." Yes. Piss off. But I suppose you know, I think we're in the minority with that. That you know, we, yeah, because they, we, you people know, think I, the internet should be free. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, and they've been they've been brought up with that, and they think that that there's other ways that these these things can be funded with advertising online and that. And I, I mean, I think print papers and print magazines are just going to go, um, and we'll be left with apps and iPads. Correct. And we're, we're going to have to start, I think, personally, this is, you know, I think we've got to start paying for them. Simple as that. Simple as that. But, I mean, I work for a news, the newspaper that, like, is kind of my home is The Guardian, and they don't actually think that, you know. Well, interesting. Terry in Blackpool says, Grace, would you ever work for Rupert Murdoch? Oh, well, um, I, I, I don't, I would love to say, um, I would love to say no. And and be very principled about it. And I don't work for the Times; I work for the Guardian. However, um, I think that if you're able to look at my bank account, you would see all kinds of times I'd worked for him. But you know, I, I go in and I work for Sky. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, me too. Uh, so, you but know, also I, the I, other. I, 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 you see, I think you know. I happen to think Sky Atlantic is one of the most exciting channels that we've got on British mm-hmm. television. I love Sky Atlantic. I publicise his programmes, not for any money, but I publicise his programmes on yeah. there. You know, Sky Arts. I think Sky Arts are absolutely fantastic it's it's because they've got money. It's because they're charging and they've got a lot of money. Yeah. So you know, if they were going to try and give me a job, it would be uh, mm. it would be very difficult to say no. But I mean, you know, uh, friends I've got that are doing similar jobs to me. Um, for Murdoch are getting paid like kind of eight times more than me. But also this all, this, and it was a lot of BS during the phone hacking stuff. Yeah. And we know that was unsavoury. Only an idiot would say otherwise. However, this idea that Murdoch was sitting in a side of a cave somewhere with a white cat on his lap <laughs> saying, you know, hack the, uh, hack the phone of the, uh, the soap star now, please. Yeah. Can you, can you now do the bereaved family? You know, that simply wasn't the case. And the one thing that Levinson Inquiry, I think, did throw up was that there actually wasn't any organisation behind this. It was chaotic. There were people doing it. Some people knew, some didn't. Yes. Some were authorising payments, some were You know what it's like in a newspaper world, in any corporate world, to try and get an expense paid 
man alive, you've you know, essentially got to jump through hoops yeah. and perform a death-defying act before somebody will pay you for some petrol. Well, you know, I, I, I worked in newspapers all the way through the times that were kind of, you know, were being talked about in the Leveson Inquiry. Yeah. And, you know, we're not just, you know, I worked in all kinds to of different out. places. I was always freelance. I worked all, all over. You know, we worked in just a pretty toxic culture everywhere. Sure. You know, the way that we suddenly, we really got into celebrity. We really, and this this gossip that us, you know, the consumers at home, this gossip that we got into that was all over the the Tesco, the supermarkets, you know, magazine aisles, all this gossip, it wasn't ethically harvested, you know. It was coming from paps. It was coming from people's bins being gone through. It was coming from people being harassed outside their houses. Mm. Um, So, you know... I don't think that any of us are actually covered in glory about this. It was, the, but that was kind of a <laughs> game, and also, um, and as I mean you know, journalists, you know, and I also mean people at home that are buying yeah. these magazines. You know, I think that we've all had, you know, in the me- within the media, yeah. you know, with Levison and everything that's happened. I think that we've all had a good bum kicking inquiry. Now we've all kicked each other's bums, and people have lost jobs, and newspapers have been closed. And I, I just hope from now on, if we take anything from it, it's just that um, that that maybe we kind of try to think where our news is coming from. Well, that was the interesting thing the other month when Dominic Mohan gave that uh, gave his evidence and they said, you know, d- d- he mentioned the front page he printed on that day, which was the Anthony Worrell Thompson story of the, the, the nicking the cheese. Mm. And he said, that, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> nicking cheese. I know, which, but, you know, if somebody's out there nicking cheese... And they've got loads of money, and they have loads of power, and they have like that. Yeah, it's yeah. not, you know. It's yeah, like, he's not trying to gain like, cheese. Well, it's like if I heard, it's if I heard that you'd been done for nicking cheese. Yeah, I, I would ring you up and say, "Are you okay?" And I would come round and go, "Come on, it's going to be all right." But there's something going on here. Do you know? What I mean? On me. <laughs> I'd come round and I'd go, "Did you get any dairy, Lee? <laughs> I've got some crackers in my bag." <laughs> but there's something there's something wrong there so Poor when Anthony. when the Worrell Thompson thing was uh, w- w- was all going on and Dominic Mohan was given evidence and the, the that barrister fellow with the beard who really fancies himself a bit in that Liberty yes. Inquiry said did you because they're both prosecutor and defence aren't they they're asking questions for, for the inquiry yeah. and he said so for example he said when you printed that page has it made you think more about what you print has this whole experience and he said a little bit, and I thought, yeah, that is true. I think every journalist mm. who, who works in, in certainly in print um, does now sort of think actually there is a new sort of a new yardstick, if you like. Yeah, I mean, and also with, um, I mean, I as a columnist, I found it with Twitter that you know pre Twitter it was very much kind of me versus them, and I could kind of say what I wanted as a columnist and as long as you kept away from places you thought that they were going to be and or if you saw them coming through the door and you could like leg it then you were kind of all right yeah. pretty much yeah. to say what whatever you wanted within reason and then you know when Twitter came along you start to really see that you know you've got a space to fill mm. and you've got 600 words and you're really cross about something and you pour it all out and then you invoice and then they bloody get in touch with you on Twitter and they're devastated yeah and it, cha- it does, it just changed the way you write. Well, talking of prosecution and defence, are you ready to come back into the courtroom like you did last time? Oh. Uh, you I, won your case I last time. I won last time. You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. That. I just basically last time just stuck record northern woman arguing, didn't I? <laughs> Best prosecution I've ever heard. Uh, let's do this. Okay, here it is. It is You know this by now. It's called the Court of Collins. It's a chance for our guest to prosecute or defend a misdemeanour uh, these are the moments sent in from our listeners, of several million, by the way, but um, up every week. <laughs> since <laughs> since Grace's first appearance... I'm a great girl. ...through the stratosphere. Uh, not terrible crimes, these are not about murder or arson and the like, but they're sort of minor moments of miscreant-based madness. You'd use that in a column, wouldn't you? First draft. You, <laughs> <laughs> you know the kind of thing where you lost your moral compass, you strayed, albeit momentarily, off the track. But will our guests find you guilty or not guilty? We need a prosecuting team and a defence team. We will toss a massive coin in a second to decide who does what. So we have Grace Dent with us. Hello, hello, hello. Sideshow Kev is with us. Hello, 
And just uh, to say, actually, at this point, yeah. I think we're all well aware of my humiliating defeat the last time Ms. Dent. Twitter went mad over it. I, this time, retribution will be mine, Your okay. Honour. There we go. This is Mark very, in bulk. He's very yeah, dramatic. He's very like dramatic. having Anthony Hopkins in the yeah. studio. Uh, Mark in Bolton says, I stitched up a former headmaster by haunting him. Usual story, unpleasant man clearly with issues who reigned terror on thousands of kids for years. Just after we finally left school, me and some mates decided to get some proper revenge on this turkey. We decided that he was probably a terrified coward at heart and therefore we would haunt him Scooby-Doo style until we felt... We had taught this man a lesson. It all started pretty harmlessly, banging on his door at odd times of the night and making eerie noises outside his window. This went on for weeks, and the results were instant because we heard from a friend of a friend that they were thinking of getting a local vicar in to take a look at the place in case there was some kind of bad spirit living there. This is when we decided to ramp up our game. It was a straight case of gaining entry to this man's house while he was not there. We did this without breaking and entering and simply snuck through an open window. We then set to work. We decided to make the place look as if it had been used for some kind of human sacrifice. This involved a liberal splashing of blood, brackets, joke blood, on the floor, as well as leaving a dead bird right in the middle of the floor. And next to this, we placed a crucifix. Our final act was to write the words, Help me in blood on the kitchen floor. We then ran. Within the hour, the place was swarming with police officers, clearly trying to establish if a crime had taken place. Our former headmaster was led away with his wife and placed into the safety of relatives. This became quite a big story round our way, and for the next few weeks, the head teacher was nowhere to be seen, clearly staying away. The only thing we did was to send an anonymous note to his house saying, now you know how scared your pupils were for all these years. We hope it did the job. Please don't underestimate the lengths we went to. This really did look like a proper scene of carnage, and it clearly did the job. I often wonder if we did wrong, and we were wrong to do what we did. To inadvertently scare his wife to death was also a bad thing too. But on balance, given what a nasty bully this man was, I think it was a reasonable and noble thing to do. I do have a tinge of guilt. However, the question for your panellists are, am I guilty or not guilty of being a very bad person? Right, first of all... Grace is looking troubled. Grace, do you want to be <laughs> Grace, do you want to be the prosecutor or the defender? Defense. Defense, Kev. Well, obviously, I want to be the defense. Oh. Well, we will toss a coin. I want tails. You want tails? Yeah, I'm going to win. Okay, here we go. Oh, it's landed straight away. <laughs> it's a head. Oh, there you oh. go. Grace Dent is the defense. Such a pet. So you're going to defend the guy. You know, for scaring the pants off an old man. Right, I think. What is wrong with you, Dent? Do you know, I, this is a this is a really horrible case, and yep. I think that they, I think that they, as boys, they obviously took it too far. And I think that when you read the newspapers t- uh, headlines at the moment, it's really tempting to think that these, th- this case just really sums up everything that's wrong with Britain that we've lost control mm. of our young people. However. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it, that this case was from a long time ago. We did Google this, by the way, and it did happen. Just in case we what, thought somebody was... What year was, are we talking about? Uh, about eight years ago. Uh, the, what, whoever... So, well, 90, who, 95, 2005. I think that... Four. I think that... <laughs> I Four. think that if... <laughs> Nine. <laughs> did you do maths? Yeah. Seven. Um, <laughs> Three. It seems to me that that, that he, he obviously had had a bad rep and uh, obviously this headmaster probably did get carried away with power and he'd obviously given these kids a hard time and I, I, I do know that it, that can be really affecting. I think that being humiliated by teachers can be really affecting to yeah. young people and I do know what it's like that when he was... Obvi- once they'd done the first part of it... The, the glee and the excitement really does sweep you along and you can end but up doing on. really stupid they, things. They broke into a man's house. That, they put a crucifix with blood and the words help me. The only thing missing from this scene was Peter Cushing. <laughs> this is awful. But it's so, like, right, OK, this is what would swing it, though. Did they kill the bird? Ah, oh, you think that's swinging it? Yeah. Animal, if, animal rights girl, what's going on? If they just found the bird and put it there... Then that's not bad. But if they killed Bridget the bird, Bardot all of a sudden, if they killed the, the bird, 
take him away. Okay. But no, I, 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 do you know? I think that we all deserve a second chance for stupid things that we do okay. with our friends as kids. Because if they were going to lock me up for some of the stupid things that I did when I was around that age, mm. you know, I'm just really. Kevin, a word. Uh, you've got to prosecute this sucker. I'm a simple man. <laughs> with simple beliefs. No one's doubting this. I was once a younger, simpler man. I was never that much of an... I think that it was a real ghost house ridiculous thing that it was they Scooby did. Doo. It's complete Scooby-Doo. And I think that, to be quite honest, the headmaster, you would think that if he was a headmaster of any ilk, he would have known from the word go when people okay. were knocking on his door that it uh, was objection, just a crime. Objection, Your Honour, Your Honour, the defence is taking all of this far too seriously. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I have to rule from the bench, and I'm going to say uh, the defence has it. This boy is not guilty. Oh, well done, Grace. You've got two out of two. Come on! Two out of two for Grace Dent. Which means uh, we're at the end of this week's Once a Word. Your Honour, may, may I approach week. the bench? <laughs> No, you've said just. I stuff. want to approach the bench very quickly. I'm going to get her next time. Okay, she's back in a few. None weeks. of this is. Fair. We hope she's coming back. Going back to my. Uh, room. Are you going to come back and see us again, Grace? Always. Fantastic, Gracie's book. Right, here's the things we must mention. Gracie's book is out there. It's called the Twitter. Um, book. The Twitter one's called How to Leave Twitter. It's similar. Um, yeah, my time is queen of the universe, and why it must stop. Yeah, and that's sold really well. It sold very, very well. It's also really, really good. Thank you very much. I said to you at the time, didn't I, when you were writing? I said, "Well, who's going to buy that?" <laughs> you say that. <laughs> you, you know, you, you kind of stare befuddled at everything I do with yeah, my career so until it's doing, finished. Yeah, the phrase, you're doing what? <laughs> Often is the first thing I say after two minutes with Grace. Uh, but it's always brilliant to see you, Grace. Thank and of course, you, you can Andrew. follow Grace on Twitter, which is at. Uh, just twitter.com forward slash Grace Dent. Simple as that. Um, and that's it from us this week. But we are, thank you, Kev. Thank you. Uh, we are back next week. Now I think you should listen to this credit stream. Credit stream. There we go. That's the end of episode 11. If you like what we've heard, don't forget to go to iTunes, hit subscribe, and do pop us a nice five-star review. If you're an Android user, then download the free Stitcher app. Thanks to you for downloading. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music was by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. Programme is edited by Manny Kendall. Our researcher was Kim Bauer. The Mayor of London is currently Boris Johnson. And refreshments were supplied by Kelly's Fat Slice after Abdul lost the gig due to a pending hygiene investigation. And just one more thing, in the spirit of a bad pyramid selling scheme, we ask a simple favour that you pass the download details of this podcast onto everybody inside your own network of chums. We'll be back next week where we go all conspiratorial like with top UFO expert and purveyor of all things pretty darn scary. He is Mr. Tony Topping. Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Conquer Life's Mountains with the Mitsubishi ASX. Powering Ian Collins once a word. Yep, we're back. The Easter break done and dusted. A refreshing week for us at Butlins in Bognor, where I won the Lovely Legs competition. And Kev... <laughs> Here we go. Yep, it was a refreshing week for us at Butlins in Bognor, where I won the Lovely Lex competition, and Kev won. <laughs> laughing at my own material. <laughs> it was indeed a refreshing week for us at Butlins in Bognor, where I won the Lovely Lex competition, and Kev won <laughs> of the week. <laughs> it's not even that funny.